Good morning. What a joy and delight it is to be with you today and to meet some new friends. And uh, I want to, as Katie did, welcome those who are watching today as well as those who are here in the room. And uh, what a joy and privilege it is to share God's Word. <clears throat> I'm so glad that John had us pray the Lord's Prayer. We do, we do that every week. But we're in a series... <clears throat> excuse me. Hold on a second. Series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> We've had two sermons already. Excuse me. <clears throat> the first was from Pastor John Aureli, and the second was last week from Randall Connell. Pannell. And I don't know where that came from, Randall. And um, boy, Our Father in Heaven was the first sermon, and Hallowed Be Your Name was last week. And I gleaned so much from those two sermons. Um, one thing I gleaned from John was uh, when we say, our Father in heaven, we're speaking of this place right here by us, right here with us. The heavenlies are right here with us. We're not talking to a God who's you know, several light years away. And from, from Randall last week, among many things, one was that we come to God with reverence and respect. He's not just our buddy, but we keep His name holy. Well, the third phrase in the prayer is Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come. And the question that I want to introduce with today is, why, why does Jesus ask us to pray this? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Why does He want us to pray, your kingdom come? To answer that, we have to know more about the kingdom. So I'm just, just going to take a few minutes here before, before we get to really seeing how we are to pray this prayer to talk about what is Jesus telling us to invite when He says, Your kingdom come, and He's teaching us to pray. So what is the kingdom of God? Fifty-two times in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And, and numerous times in Luke and Mark, and a few times in the Gospel of John. In fact, really, the, the very beginning of His ministry, almost the first words out of His mouth in His ministry are about the kingdom. And we read this in Mark 1, verses 14 through 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So right at the very beginning of His ministry, Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God is near. It's very close. And then if we go to the end of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 11, verse 5, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Well, this is a trajectory that began way back in Genesis as God is the king, and, and then He has a people that He wants to rule over, and they rebel against Him. And there have been these prophetic promises throughout the Old Testament that the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming, the Messiah is coming. 
Jesus comes and announces, basically, I'm the king. And uh, we have this wonderful, wonderful New Testament of ours, which explains how he brings the kingdom in himself. He brings the kingdom near. And uh, then we, we go clear to the last book in the Bible, and we find out the kingdom hasn't fully come yet. The kingdom isn't yet consummated. So this is part of the background of why Jesus said, uh, pray your kingdom come. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, I'm going to borrow a definition from a great theologian named George Eldon Ladd. He says, the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God, dynamically active in the person of Jesus and in human history and in the human heart. So the kingdom of God is not just, you know, like the kingdom of England, an island in the ocean, something like that. It's the rule of God, which humans have rejected, which Jesus began to seize back when he was on the earth, and I'll talk more about that in just a moment, and which uh, will be consummated at some point in the future, and the kingdom will come in its fullness, its glory, and everything will be perfect. So um, we're living in a time between these two events. But Jesus provides the breakthrough of the kingdom, and he is the present and future king. So when Jesus comes, his you know, he is God in the flesh. So suddenly God is among us, living as a human being. The kingdom, the kingdom is being initiated. It's being inaugurated. And then we have the various events in the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, most especially the cross, where Jesus dies, where he triumphs over sin, he triumphs over the devil, he triumphs over sickness, he triumphs over death itself. And on the third day he rises from the dead. This is really the inauguration of the kingdom, and then it gets a huge boost when Jesus ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit upon His church. Uh, but something happens here where, where Jesus begins to speak of two ages or two worlds. Uh, Derek Morphew says, Jesus and all the apostles believed in a future final dramatic intervention of God which will end this world and integrate the next. But, but, there's a big period between Jesus coming and that event as we have found out because we're still here, aren't we? Theologians call this the already and the not yet of the kingdom. Jesus came, He triumphed over the devil, He triumphed over death, He triumphed over sin, he inaugurated the kingdom in his person. He began the kingdom in his person. He is the king. But then he starts saying things like, there's a future aspect. You have me now, you have the kingdom now, but the kingdom is still coming. The time when Jesus promised to return to the earth and finish all of this and consummate the kingdom. And so we live in the time between. We live in a time between the initiation of the kingdom and the final fulfillment of the kingdom. And we're going to learn more about that in the next few minutes. We have a wonderful new young couple who just moved to San Antonio, Christian and Jill Cox. And Jill shared with me and some others a testimony of 
a healing which she's experienced in her life. And it's a demonstration of one way, one way the kingdom comes when we pray your kingdom come. And so I, wanted, I want Jill today to come and share this testimony with us. Would you welcome Jill? Hello. <laughs> okay. Um, so to start, I grew up on the corner of Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, in the middle of nowhere. That's important to the story. So remember that for later. There will be a quiz. <laughs> um, so at a young age, because you're out there, you can start doing sports a little bit earlier. So around 12, 13, I really started getting into running and really loved doing it, cross country, track. School is just the time in between running. You get up and run, rest with school, and then run some more. And I got actually to do it, did really well. Um, by the time I was 13, I got to go to um, state, place at state, go run at nationals, was having a great time. And then just shortly after my 14th birthday, um, one night I did a choir concert, came home, was just bent over in pain, felt awful. So then they drove us to the closest town, which is 15 miles away, and they don't actually have a doctor there. So then they had to call the on-call doctor who then sent me on to Sioux Falls, which is the closest one. Once we got there, um, we found out that it was my appendix and that they were gonna take it out. But, so that happened the next morning, but when they did the surgery, they took it out from the wrong side of my body. So then they drug it across and it burst. But um, while that was noted in the paperwork, they didn't tell us that that is what had happened. So I got sepsis, and it started eating the other organs from the outside in. And I continued to not get better and not recover, and it became hard to walk, hard to eat, hard to digest progressively. And because they, they wouldn't admit what had happened, I'd go to the doctor and I'd say, hey, what if I had an appendix taken out of the wrong side? Oh, well, that would never happen, that would never happen. And then I'd show them the scar. Oh, oh, well, here's why that would happen. There's, there's nothing wrong. So that continued for quite a while. Um, eventually they called psychologists because, oh, this pain is all in your head, it's not real, there's nothing happening. Finally, uh, two years later, I found a doctor who was willing to look into it, and I ended up having several surgeries to remove some of the organs that had been eaten from the outside in, and that actually made a huge difference. I started feeling somewhat better, but there was still kind of that constant pain going on. Um, at the time, I was also going to a Baptist cessationist church, so while there was prayer for healing, sort of, there's not really the belief of God's continued healing and miracles on earth. So I guess things just progressed from there. I got treated for everything under the sun and nothing else really worked. I just kind of kept going through for several years. Um, eventually, because I couldn't run or do anything else, I started doing school while in high school because I spent so much time in the hospital anyway, so I might as well do something productive with my time. And so several years later, continued going through all of this, I finally make it to go start on my master's, and I decide I'm gonna move to Muncie, Indiana. So I go there, and in my first semester, I have to fly home three times for emergency care, which 
was very <laughs> kind of stressful, but I was then invited by a friend in the same program to go to a Nazarene, I guess you would call it a revival service there at the time. So I went and the speaker was talking and he said, anybody who needs prayer, please come to the front, sit in the front row. So I did because, well, I've at this point, I've been sick for seven years. I can't really digest most food. It comes out either one end or the other. And running is just history. Like that doesn't happen, obviously. Um, I was in and out of different wheelchairs and different things with problems through that whole area. And so he had everybody in the congregation stand up and then walk by the front row, touch each person in the line and say, be healed. And so that constant pain that had been my companion was gone instantly as they did that. But <laughs> he said, okay, but don't just take our word for it, go test it. So that night I drove to McDonald's and I decided, well, what's the best way that you could test not being able to eat food? <laughs> so my method was the double quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> it is the holy meal. Anytime I eat it now, it's still a holy meal. And I digested it fine. But then I decided to push it a little bit further and go for a run that night. Ended up running 15 miles. <laughs> so that was uh, a really <laughs> awesome time, but it also challenged my theology in that, well, God still heals, so that's new. <laughs> so I called back home, all excited, of course, to talk to my church, in which I got kicked out of, sad, but... <laughs> It led to a great exploration and getting connected to a campus group there in, uh, at Ball State, which was Chi Alpha, where I was able to find out about you know the Spirit still being active today and speaking in tongues. And I think while it took seven years to you know go through all of that, and I would not wish it upon anyone ever, <laughs> I think it was a great revelation of that God heals in several ways because it's not that I didn't pray and agonize almost every day within those seven years of God, why won't you heal me? And so I think as the encouragement, if you're going through that, that God doesn't only heal instantaneously, there is that grace sufficient, there is the process, there is the learning through the process. And so I just wanna say, don't necessarily give up hope. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jill. Well, so the people walked by and said, be healed, and she was healed. And this is the way the kingdom sometimes intrudes. What happens is, and we're going to look a little more closely at this as we talk about how to pray this prayer and what it means to pray this prayer. But um, we're, given, we're given an invitation by the Lord always to pray, always to bring our request to Him with thanksgiving so that His peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But sometimes the Lord is pleased to let the future kingdom, 
what we call the not yet, intrude into the present. We never know when that's going to happen. So what, what Jill got was a little bit of the future kingdom. It was healing, of course. It was a miracle. But I want us to understand what we're praying when we pray your kingdom come. The kingdom, when it comes in its fullness, there will be no more illness. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. It'll be fantastic. And so on that particular night, the Holy Spirit was pleased to bring that future kingdom into that... What? Where was... Where was... Where were you? Muncie, Indiana. Kaboom. And there's the kingdom. Bam! And she's healed. Now... Anytime we pray, the kingdom is at work. But, but you see, uh, understanding the way that the Lord has set things up in prayer, when we pray for His kingdom to come, we're praying for the future to come into the present. And it always does to some degree, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. There's something we all get, we all get of the future kingdom. Once we believe in Jesus, every one of us has it. And it's even more wonderful than a miracle. It's even more wonderful than a miraculous healing. I'm going to make you wait for a few minutes. Some of you have already figured out what it is. But uh, we will come to that in just a moment. But many people, you know, are very frustrated because they haven't had a miracle like that. And I just want to say that the word of the Lord on prayer, generally speaking, is you persist in prayer. You keep coming to God in prayer. You keep asking. Jesus gave us a couple of fantastic examples. One is of a, a, a widow who has no recourse, but this mean old judge who, who doesn't honor God at all, but she keeps coming to Him, and finally He says, okay, I'll give you a request. So we have that. Keep praying. Don't give up if you don't get a miracle right away. Keep praying unless God says no. But the fact is, the fact is that if Jill lives long enough, you know, I mean, if she, well, what I'm, I'm just going to really contradict myself here. I was going to say if she lives long enough, she's going to die. Well, yes, <laughs> I think that's right. The, the fact is that unless Jill is one of the fortunate people who is alive on the earth when Jesus returns, one day she will die. Jesus heals Lazarus. He brought him out of the grave. He raised him from the dead. And later on, Lazarus had to die again. Uh, Jesus called this the present age, and the Apostle Paul calls this the present evil age. Though Jesus has defeated death on the cross, death is still a factor in our lives. And so uh, when we pray for the kingdom to come, we're looking forward to the age to come when Jesus returns, when everything will be made right, when we will all miraculously, uh, those who are dead in Christ, be raised from the dead, and those who are alive and remain kaboom, faster than you can blink your eye, will be changed and transformed into the resurrection body and rise to meet Jesus. So we're praying for that. But in the meantime... In the meantime, we want to go back to the way Jesus taught us to pray and ask why, what happens. And the first thing I want to say is, because this gives us a way to abide with the king in his kingdom. The early believers, 
we're called to be partners with Jesus and to abide in His kingdom while they were doing their normal lives in the Roman Empire as second-class citizens. And He said to them, you see, He's saying to them, pray this way, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. By praying this way in the midst of persecution, they were able to keep the perspective of Jesus. We receive miracles like the one Jill experienced and we praise the Lord. We are encouraged to keep praying when we hear of a miracle like that. But when we don't get a miracle the way that Jill did, we understand that we're to be praying, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. We're living in a well, what Paul calls the present evil age. And so we're not discouraged. We understand that we're at war. In fact, there, there was another great theologian named Oscar Kuhlman who tried to explain this time that we're in. And many of you have heard this right here in this church, but it's worth repeating again. So we know about World War II, right? And in Europe, in June of 1944, the Allies staged this amazing invasion at Normandy that we call D-Day. And once they, once they gained the beach, once they got on land, once they pushed the Germans back, essentially the war was over. The, war, the Germans could not win, though they really tried and they really fought back. The war wasn't finished until September of 1945 what we call Victory in Europe Day, VE Day. So the big invasion occurred in June of 1944. The, the major defeat that led to the end of the war, but the armistice wasn't signed until September of 1945. So those soldiers who were fighting through Germany in, uh, in that time period, many of them were casualties. Many of them died. It was a rough time. But they knew that victory was theirs and they kept pressing through and they kept pressing through. And finally, what they had won on the beaches of Normandy began, became theirs and became ours. And so this is why we call it the already and the not yet. The beachhead has been won. Jesus has already triumphed. In Jesus, the victory is sure. But we are still fighting the skirmishes, looking forward to VE Day. So abiding with Jesus and His kingdom, when we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, means we comfort ourselves with this fact. We comfort ourselves with this fact. The second thing is, by praying the prayer, your kingdom come, we get to participate with our King as a disciple. Praying this prayer keeps us focused on Jesus' priorities. His death and resurrection are not only for my personal salvation, but ultimately for the transformation of the whole universe. When everything will be set right. Everything will become as it should be. And when we pray, Your kingdom come, we are committing ourselves to be His disciples in this age to present the gospel to those who, are, who don't yet know Jesus. Because the day is coming that everything that's wrong will be righted. Everything will come the way it should be. Death will be completely abolished. Sin, sickness, and the devil. 
So when you pray this prayer in obedience with faith, you are hastening the return of the Lord. We'll, we'll read a scripture in just a minute that says that. So at the very end of the age, there will be this fantastic breakthrough of Jesus Christ as He returns. And living as a disciple in this way, it produces a prayer of great expectation. So just think with, with me for a moment. We've been, re, we've been regarding the fact for a few weeks that in our church there are quite a few people who are ill, some with very serious illnesses. And we're praying for miracles, and we've seen some miracles. We haven't seen miracles in every case, but we recognize that we're under attack from the enemy. In our individual cases, we're praying for healing, for example. And the prayer meeting uh, next Sunday night is going to concentrate on the fact that we've been, our church has been under this very visible attack. It's just, it's just been very, very, very strange what's been happening among us with sickness. We're going to pray for individuals to be healed. And beyond that, we're going to pray for the kingdom of God to come. We're going to pray for that great intrusion of the future as a demonstration of what's coming. But also in that, we're praying for Jesus to come back. Maranatha. When we pray your kingdom come, we are praying, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. That's where the New Testament ends up in the book of Revelation. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So we pray... We pray for the individual who's ill, for example, and we ask God to heal them. We ask for the kingdom to come in power, for compassion, and because you've commanded us to, Lord, to pray for the sick, but also as a demonstration of the kingdom that's coming. And when we don't get the miracle, we just keep praying, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Because His kingdom is coming. Jesus is coming back. And then the third thing is, by praying your kingdom come, we recognize the kingdom when it does come. And this is one thing that in the church that Jill visited that night, they were experiencing that. But in the church you'd been raised in, they, they were shutting their eyes they were called cessationists. In other words, they believed that miracles had ceased. They believed the kingdom didn't intrude that way. But when we learn to pray for the kingdom the way Jesus wants us to, then we're open. We, we begin to see what God is doing in people. We begin to pray for people. We begin to watch what the Lord is doing. We start recognizing the signs of the kingdom. We start seeing healings. We start seeing uh, people being freed from demonic possession. We start seeing people uh, having dramatic conversions. We start experiencing the kingdom and we recognize this is the king intruding into our lives, doing very fantastic things among us. We also recognize that which is not the kingdom. That's part of the kingdom perspective we get as we pray, your kingdom come. And the fourth thing is, this helps us stay dependent on the king. Praying your kingdom come 
Helps us stay dependent on the King. So most of you know the verse in Matthew 6.33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry, He goes on to say, because we're seeking His kingdom and we're staying in complete dependence on the King. So here's the opposite of this. When John and I were talking about this sermon, he said, what is the opposite of this? And so I had to think about that. The opposite of this is trying to do it yourself. The opposite of this is naturalism, human effort and plans, or disappointment with God, or wondering, is there something wrong with me that I haven't had a miracle? Is there something wrong with me that this fantastic thing happened to that person and didn't happen to that person? Um, the opposite of this is treating God like a candy machine. If I can just get the right coin and put it in the right slot and pull the right lever, I'll get what I want from God. Or like my friend Randall said to me a couple of weeks ago, sometimes our prayers are like giving God a to-do list or a shopping list. It frees us from that. It moves us into the realm of what Jesus the King is doing in the world and His coming kingdom. We're participating. We're participating in what Jesus is doing on the large scale, and we're staying dependent on Him. And I told you I was going to come to a verse that I believe indicates that as we have this expectancy of the kingdom, as we pray for the King to come, as we pray for the kingdom to be manifest in our midst, we speed the coming of the kingdom. And this is 2 Peter 3, 11-13. He's been talking about how the elements are going to melt. And he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. How are we going to speed up what God is doing? <laughs> you know? That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I think Jesus has given us the task of speeding the coming of the kingdom. Uh, why, would he, why would He tell us, pray, your kingdom come, if God's not going to hear the prayer? If God's not going to answer the prayer? So I want to encourage myself and I want to encourage you to keep praying the Lord's Prayer and particularly pray your kingdom come. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. And obey the Scriptures and see what the Lord does. Now, that sets the background for the already. We're, we're thinking about the not yet, the coming of the kingdom. But we live in the present evil age. What do we already have? What do we already have? What's better than a miracle? What's the down payment of the age to come? What is the already with a capital A? And to find that, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 1, 13-14. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, listen to this, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit 
guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. And then 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Listen to this. He set His seal of ownership on us. He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Let me tell you, friends, when you were born again, you received the Holy Spirit. You received the deposit of the age to come. You received the guarantee of the age to come, the coming kingdom. You received the seal of the coming age, the coming kingdom, the seal of the king, the deposit of the king, what Jesus has already won for you, He has put in you. You have the Holy Spirit. Could you say with me, I have the Holy Spirit? I have the Holy Spirit. Now say with me, thank God I have the Holy Spirit. Thank God I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is better than any healing. The Holy Spirit is better than any miracle. The Holy Spirit is the abiding presence of the kingdom in our hearts that transforms in our individual lives, in our hearts. It transforms this present evil age for us into the age to come. We all participate in the age to come. Let me tell you something. You have something people who don't have the Holy Spirit don't have. You have joy. You have peace. You have the presence of Jesus. You have hope. You have faith. You have the assurance that even if you die, you shall live. And anytime you start, I think... Gilberto said something uh, sort of like, I can't live a day without the Lord, and when I do, when I try, it doesn't work, right? Something like that. I hope you don't try too often. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have this deposit on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Right now, while you're sitting here with me, you have the future kingdom that's coming so fast toward us you have it in your heart. It's there. I'm looking at people of the kingdom. I'm looking at people who belong to the king. And that's true of all of you who are watching this, who have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Better than healing. Better than any miracle. Because let me tell you this. If you should die before Jesus comes back, guess what's going to happen? The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come for you and uh, he's going to say, he's going to take you by the hand. He's going to say, come on, come across into the consummate kingdom, into the future with me to wait for the resurrection of the dead. And you're just going to go across. And that which you have as a treasure, that which you have as a deposit, that which you have as a guarantee in your heart, is just going to burst open in the presence of the Lord as you wait with him for the end of the age. So this is what I believe the Lord gives us when we pray the prayer, your kingdom come. And I, I want to say, um, Derek Morphew, vineyard leader, theologian, pastor from South Africa, wrote a fantastic book called Breakthrough on this subject. I highly recommend it. And he experienced, uh, you know, when he met people from the vineyard, uh, in his early ministry, 
he was amazed at the things God was doing in vineyard churches and vineyard ministries of the healings and miracles that were occurring. And he soon realized that though he believed in God, he believed in healing, he believed in miracles, he was not, he didn't understand the kingdom. He wasn't opening himself to the kingdom. He wasn't asking for the kingdom to come. And as he began to move his ministry into that realm, these things began to happen. This is not a myth. This is the real thing. When a pastor says to his church, every one of you come here, come here, and as you walk by, say, be healed, be healed, be healed. The kingdom comes. Things happen. And things happen with us here uh, in this church all the time. And I just want to ask, is there anybody here today who needs the kingdom to come in a special way in your life? Anybody who's watching today, you need the kingdom to come in a special way in your life today. And John, you're coming to take it. Oh, you're not coming to take it. Okay. So uh, anybody here who, and I'll give Hilberto back his music stand, I guess, here if he needs it. Uh, are there any people here where you just really need, you just really need for us to pray with you, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, bring healing. Lord, bring deliverance. Lord, bring freedom. Would you just come right up here with me right now? I'll put my mask back on. Come on up. Come on up. I know there's some here. And those who are, who are there at home, would you, uh, would you position yourself for prayer? Would you, would you uh, put in the chat room to the other people online that you need a special touch of God? You need the kingdom to come into your life today. Would you put it there? And then people in the prayer room, would you pray for them? And then after the, when the service is over, when the service is over, you're going to, there's a room you can go into, a Zoom room you can go into. John will say more about that in a minute. So Destiny is facing a, a kidney transplant this week, and she's been asking God, and we've been asking God with her, to give her new kidneys so that she will not have to have that surgery. So we're going to pray for her for the kingdom to come in a special way. Okay, and I want to be clear. If you have, we're, we're, we've heard some, some powerful testimonies about physical healing. If you need physical healing this morning, come up right now. And Jill, I'm going to ask you to just take a bit of a lead here. Uh, Deborah, I'm going to ask you to take a bit of a lead here. These are people that have experienced physical healing, so they're living in a bit of faith for that. Uh, children, you especially who have masks on, and those who are, you are praying, would you get a mask on before we go to prayer for this physical healing? Uh, Deborah, would you grab a mask? Got one? Uh, you children that are willing to pray, would you come up? If you're willing to risk and pray, you children have the best faith here. For those who are, if you're needing prayer, would you just, we'll grab you a chair, would you sit down? And we'll just let people come by and pray for you as they did for Jill.
there's still ministry happening. There's still that Zoom room opening. But I want to bless you to go in Jesus' name. You would go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, anticipating and abiding in God's kingdom, saying, your kingdom come, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your kingdom. Come, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You who are here, you're welcome to go in peace. We're going to close down the online and uh, just bless you to go.